Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the Property Insights podcast by Select Property Group. I'm Amber Fur, and today I'm joined by our sales manager for the Middle East, Jack Woodall from our Dubai office. Thanks for joining me today, Jack. Thank you, Amber. Nice to be here. Okay, so today's podcast is going to be about quite a popular topic at the moment. Is London still the place to invest? Although London has a population of 9 million and accounts for almost a quarter of the UK's economic activity, many buyers have turned to other regional cities to achieve the highest possible growth from UK property investment. So Jack's going to talk to us a bit about these prime locations and we're going to discuss the key reasons why investors and indeed tenants are finding these cities so attractive. So Jack, just to sort of start us off, how has the UK economy and the property market performed this year? Well, the last couple of years have been quite testing, really. I think for the majority of the world, as we've faced and are still really facing one of the biggest pandemics in COVID-19. And with all the kind of government restrictions that followed that, the UK, uh, amongst other countries, was under a very strict lockdown and businesses were halted, people working from home. And I think that really did continue for a lot longer than most people expected. So in terms of the economy and and property market, if we look back, it was a real unknown as to where we'd be in 2021. And I think truth be told, a lot of people feared the worst. But as history has shown us time and time again, the UK is resilient. And the Bank of England recently announced that it's going to be a record year for economic growth. I I believe the fastest growth curve we've seen in over 70 years. So uh, there are some great signs that the economy is improving. And the housing market as well is up where the average house prices from from this time last year to now have increased by nine and a half percent. So all in all, the, the market's showing some strong signs. Absolutely. And as we've seen time and time again, you know, whether it's from the the recession of 2008, UK property really is such a reliable and stable asset class, Uh, especially as we're seeing lots of sort of more short term, perhaps higher return assets such as crypto and maybe the stock markets at different times as well. But the one thing about UK property is that we can always say that it stayed relatively stable and consistent. Exactly. So let's talk about which regions are seeing the majority of this growth that you're talking about. So although London will always be such an attractive location for lifestyle purposes, the capital will always be an amazing place to live. But for investment purposes, many buyers have turned to other regional cities, as we've discussed, to achieve the highest possible growth. Where are investors turning to for these investments? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think London has an will always be the financial and business hotspot for the UK. You know, tourism drives millions of people there year on year. And yet the lion's share of growth can be found now in the the regional cities outside of the capital. So cities like Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds and Liverpool are all seeing some very high growth spikes at the moment. And this shift in growth is, is really being driven by opportunity. There are a lot of global businesses, including those in the FTSE 100 that are setting up regional or head offices in these regional cities away from the capital, where it's naturally a lot cheaper to run a business from, say, Birmingham, where the cost of leasing office space is much cheaper and salaries for employment are cheaper. And 
even the cost for living for residents is, is a lot less expensive than living in London. So this, along with the likes of the HS2, which is being built, that's the, you know, the high-speed network rail between London, which is connecting the rest of the north to the capital. That's creating a lot of jobs. And with this demand, more and more people are moving to the likes of Birmingham and Manchester, etc., for work. And put quite simply, property prices are driven by demand. So where there are more employment opportunities, more people tend to flock towards those cities. And with more people, the demand for city centre property has increased dramatically. Absolutely. And like you said, with HS2, yes, there will be many more jobs in these regional cities. But also Londoners are actually, for the first time, really able to maintain those jobs and commute from these cities for potentially a better quality of life and a lower cost of living. Exactly. Um, especially with this working from home balance, it would be kind of ideal for someone that might only be needing to commute to London one or two days a week. But affordability is a big factor as well, isn't it? House prices are much cheaper in these cities. Yeah, exactly. You know, the average property in London is over double the price of, say, a property in Manchester, for example. So I think for most people, London will always be that pipe dream. It's a, a fantasy for most people. Don't get me wrong, a fantastic city, but certainly an expensive one. And naturally for us, especially out here in the Middle East, a lot of our international investors love London. It's always their first choice, but only a small handful of them can afford it. But even then, the ones that can afford to buy there, it really doesn't stack up that well from an investment perspective either. So whilst your money doesn't go far, it, it doesn't return a lot either. If we take an average price property in London, for example, which is right now close to £600,000 or you know, even closer to a million pounds if we look at zone one and the city centre, and then we look at the rents that are being achieved there, the, the rental yields for owners are averaging 2 to 3% gross a year, which you know, is not fantastic by a long stretch. And then no. not to mention as well, the, the capital growth side of things. If we look at the average prices there, the, the prices in central London are increasing by about 2% a year. So overall, as an investor, your ROI is 4 to 5% per annum, which you know, is, is not, not very attractive at all. Yet you've got to spend the best part of a million pounds to, to be in that ballpark. And I think if you compare that against the regional cities I mentioned before. So, for example, if you were to buy a two bedroom apartment in one of our brand new towers in Manchester, you could buy one for, say, 350, 360,000 pounds. And you're looking at a rental yield of 6% gross a year plus with Manchester right now, the, the property market's booming. The average property price there is increasing by 4 to 5% a year. So your, your ROI as an investor is, is 10 11%. It's double that what you can find in, in the capital. So for us, I think we've seen a change and it's naturally peaking investors' interest over the last few years. And we've seen that focus change from everybody wanting London to realizing that there's actually better opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, and that really ties in with this sort of two-tier um, trend that we're seeing, particularly among Hong Kongers at the moment, um, where people will purchase in London for lifestyle purposes or potentially a mix of lifestyle and investment purposes, but will then branch out to these other regional cities such as Manchester and Birmingham in order to capitalise on, on the best investments. 
Um, so it really does tie in with what you're saying, which is that, of course, we're not bashing London. The capital is an incredible city. And as you say, has all these amazing qualities and attracts so many tourists every year. But for investment purposes, it's just not the most lucrative option. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the attraction of Harrods and Buckingham Palace, et cetera, is going yeah. to be, you know, always a driving factor for internationals. You know, it's a, it's a fantastic city to, to, to go there and visit. But ultimately, you know, like we've discussed, it's not necessarily the most cost effective. And for our investors, the ones that focus on return and yields, it's certainly not the best at the moment. Okay, so let's talk about a few more of these cities in detail. So starting with Manchester, which, as you know, we have many developments, um, particularly this year. I know we've had four buildings complete in the last quarter. So I also attended an event this morning, actually, um, a BizNow industry event. And they revealed that there's only 400 apartments left on the rental market in Manchester today. So what makes this city such a prime investment location? Well, firstly, it's my home city, so um, I'm very biased towards it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's where our head office is located. It's where a lot of our developments are. And we've kind of become quite synonymous in that market as being a specialist in Manchester with the amount of developments that we have. But in all seriousness, it was recently voted the third best city in the world by Time Out magazine. And business-wise... It's home to 80 of the FTSE 100 companies. And these are big companies, you know, companies like Amazon, KPMG, the BBC, Bank of New York. They all have regional or, or head offices in Manchester. But again, it's leading city for opportunity. And we go back to that, you know, the opportunity in terms of employment and finding work. It's one of the best stats that I've seen recently. And you mentioned there about, you know, rents and uh, the, the attraction there for the city being that there's a lot of properties coming on the market, but they're quickly being rented out. Yeah. One of the best stats I saw was that Manchester's student retention rate. And as I know very well, Manchester's got one of the largest student populations in Europe. There's over 100,000 students that attend universities in that city every single year. And the retention rate is that 60% of them stay in the city and find employment once they graduate. So that's 60,000 young business professionals finding work straight out of university. So it does lead back to that opportunity, you know, that they're able to find employment and continue living and working in that city. And yeah. building on that, uh, I saw that it was voted um, Britain's entrepreneur capital with over 4,000 new companies started in Manchester last year during the pandemic. So as I say, it really is the land of opportunity. And it's, it's these trends and, and these market conditions that, that property investors and developers like ourselves need to pick up on. It's all about the supply and demand imbalance. And if we look at the figures at present, Manchester needs a further 2,500 new homes built every single year just to meet that, that current demand there. And as new business flocks in and that demand continues to grow, there's going to be a further demand for even more properties. So this is also evident, as you say, in, in the rental inquiries. I think I also saw as well that Rightmove did on their report that showed us rental inquiries in Manchester have risen by 69% this year. So 
the demand's already evident. And with more business coming into the city, as I say, that demand's only going to increase. Absolutely. And just with you talking about that graduate retention rate and this 60,000 young business professionals coming in every year to the city, and that is, of course, the target demographic of the build to rent sector. So all of these people will be looking for homes and this build to rent offering is is what they'll be looking for. Exactly. So moving on to Birmingham, also known as the UK's second city. This is a city with a rapidly increasing population as well, and yet a comparatively low supply of purpose-built rental homes. So as you said, with Manchester, there has been thousands of, of new developments, um, of new properties, sorry, and they're getting snapped up really, really quickly. But with Birmingham, there is a really comparatively low supply of build-to-rent homes. Would you say that this supply and demand imbalance of the homes that people are looking for is what's underpinning Birmingham's strong performance as an investment city? Yeah, I think it does. It's, um, it's almost a similar narrative to the one that we've discussed in Manchester. Birmingham is another one of those regional cities away from London that is facing a huge spike in population. I think it's very close to what you mentioned about Manchester. There's nearly you know, 10,000 new residents living in Birmingham year on year. And again, that's being driven by increased job opportunities. So as an example, I mentioned before about the HS2. The HS2 that's being created at the moment's created 20,000 jobs for the Midlands. So in a city like Birmingham, where a quarter of households rent their property, developers can't build fast enough to cope with that level of increased demand. So it is a similar story in a sense to Manchester with that influx of more people, house prices and rental prices are now seeing a sharp increase. And this is attracting attention of a lot of our property investors and, and equally ourselves. And the government, interestingly enough, are, are also doing their bit there as well. So this happened um, recently with Manchester, but with, within Birmingham, they're pumping in a lot of money into the city and doing their part in helping modernize and regenerating areas which are getting more use because a lot of these cities were very industrial back in the day and now with the influx of more businesses and new office towers a lot of these old industrial areas are being changed into apartment buildings to be able to cope with with that rising demand and we only have to look at the government's plans for the new infrastructure for the likes of the new 50 million pound regeneration to Snow Hill Station. I mean, it's incredible. The, yeah. you know, I think that's all done in aid to help the city as it expands. And in itself, will create around 7,000 new jobs for the city. And all these people are, are going to want to stay in the city centre and have the convenience of being able to you know, commute to work by walking there or have the convenience of the shops or restaurants all on their doorstep. So it is down to us as developers to pick up on these trends and, and build exactly what the market wants. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes, the supply and demand imbalance is what makes Birmingham an exciting investment opportunity. But equally, there's plenty of room for growth. Yeah, and it's interesting that you talked about those, those areas such as Snow Hill. Um, I know there is a major sort of master plan going on there, similar to the Great Jackson Street master plan in Manchester. And it's in London that these opportunities are a lot farer and fewer between because it's already so built up. It's already so regenerated and gentrified. 
you know, areas such as, as Camden, Brixton, Shoreditch, this mass regeneration already took place years ago. And yes, these are thriving, amazing places to live. But as far as purpose-built new properties go, the space just isn't there, is it? No, exactly. And it's these areas as well in Manchester, such as Ancoats and Northern Quarter, Mayfield, that are really going to be attractive and already very attractive for tenants. So speaking of tenants, let's move on to the tenant side of things. So we've touched on why these cities are attracting investment and are attracting people. But in terms of the quality of living and the, the quality and the expectation of these build-to-rent apartments, what is the key difference in the offering comparing these cities to the offering within London? Well, I think the main difference really between what's available in London versus the likes of Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, and all these new developments that come in on the market, the main difference has to be value for money. You know, your money doesn't go far in, in London at all. And as we discussed earlier on, it's uh, an expensive city to live in. Most yeah. people that I know that live in London, and I'm, I'm sure you're the same, they, they live in zone three and zone four, and it takes them over an hour to commute into the city centre to get to their office or place of work. So yeah. if we have a look at your more prime locations in London and, and compare like for like. So as an example, if I was to say pick a random one bedroom apartment in zone one and say, you know, the best locations in London, the likes of Mayfair, Kensington, etc., then you're gonna be spending three, maybe four thousand pounds a month on your rent for a one bedroom apartment. And never mind then all your utility bills on top of that. And that, that's really for a standard run-of-the-mill property, no frills, no exciting facilities or anything like that. It's just you know, a standard one-bedroom apartment and you pay that much money for the convenience of being in the city centre. And, and rents in zone one can go above and beyond £6,000 a month. You know, some of them are absolutely ludicrous. Where, as if you compare that to, say, you know, even a much larger property, you know, a larger, say, two-bedroom apartment in one of the best towers in Manchester or Birmingham that has the amazing location, the amazing facilities, you're spending £1,500, £1,800 a month and you're, you're getting a, a much larger property and more mm. importantly, a, a better standard of living. So your money does go further and not to mention for the tenants, the cost of living is, is just much more affordable in these cities. So as a tenant, you can spend less and, and get more. And, and we've seen this recently with our latest affinity living projects and the Crown Street development that's opened in Manchester recently with some tenants having moved away from London, seeking better work opportunities and, and furthering their career in, in, the, in the city and finding that now they can actually afford to live in the city centre and, and furthermore live in one of the best towers without having to spend their majority of the salary. So it is very much value for money. But then again, it, it's up to us as developers to, to build what they want. And I think since COVID especially, there's a lot more value being placed on having better facilities and services. You know, it's not just about having a, a small gym anymore with a, a weights room and, and one running machine that yeah. you, know, you could probably get away with five, 10 years ago. But now, you know, a lot of our buildings have the full state of the art gym that 
is included within their tenancy. So they don't have to worry about paying for a gym, can stay in the city centre and have things like the business lounges and residence hub that get used a lot in our in our projects that have become more utilised really with COVID, with people working from home. So, and, and, and we've done that out of necessity, you know, it's listening to the market and finding out exactly what they want. So I don't think that has really happened so much in London where a lot of the properties are older, mm-hmm. but in these new cities where there's room for growth and expansion, developers like ourselves can cater more towards the rental market and offer more. Absolutely. And I think that's so key to make sure that we're always listening to the market. As you say, with London, they've experienced such high demand and such high rental prices. They don't really need to offer more to obtain those high rents. Whereas, again, with Affinity Living and our other developments, even our Vita student brand, the key thing with all of them is that they are so user-led. And we learn with each development, you know, what's, what's what's worked really well, even things like introducing a free coffee throughout the pandemic and we've we've kept that haven't we within our affinity living developments also something that's key is management as we've seen across all of our developments you know whether it's the rental management side of things for the investor or the building management side of things for the tenant it really is key and i think that you see that a lot more with these build to rent investments absolutely So, Jack, that's been a great conversation and hopefully it's been valuable to people who might be deciding where to make their next or their first investment. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Amber. It's been a pleasure. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us on our sixth podcast. If you found it useful and want to stay up to date with the market, subscribe on your platform of choice. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts.